all you positive heads out there. Brandon Beecham here. As always, thanks for tuning in to the Positive Head Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Barb Schmidt. Barb is a woman of many talents and achievements. To name a few, she's creator of the nonprofit Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life, which acts as an inspiring online resource and rapidly growing online community. Barb is also the author of the recently published book, The Practice. Uh, After just finishing reading The Practice myself, I can personally confirm that she has achieved her mission to teach, inspire, and empower, at least where I'm concerned. So I'm very uh, happy to have the opportunity to talk with her today. Hello, Barb. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brandon. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Ah, a pleasure to have you. So uh, to jump right in, first off, you know, in the practice, you reference one of the things that kind of stuck out to me. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned to you before we got started here, I I just finished reading it, thoroughly enjoyed it, Um, got a lot out of it that we'll talk about. You reference attending a retreat with uh, the famous Vietnamese Buddhist monk, and I hope I don't butcher his name. Is it Thich Nhat Hun? Very good. And, yes. Ah, good. <laughs> I've been practicing my Vietnamese. Um, and you reference that event as the one that led you to starting Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life, correct? Correct. What, what can you... T- you know, he is probably one of my most profound teachers. You know, as you saw in the book, I have many, many teachers and so many inspirations. Um, humans that have really helped me on this path. But when I started reading his books and I decided to go on retreat, when I saw that he was going to be on retreat and it's a week long silent retreat, there is something about this man that you're just like the Dalai Lama. Some of these Mm -hmm. amazing uh, people that really inspire us and they emanate this peace. There's something about being with him on a retreat for a week in silence that just, um, just changed my life. I thought this, when he talks about walking in peace, and then of course, all the great work that he did back in the 60s, it, it, it just moved me. It moved me deeply. And and I have always had a, a yearning of my childhood being very traumatic and, and not so peaceful. Uh, I've always had this little right. inkling that we've got to find a way to have peace. So yeah, he's an amazing, amazing human being. So it was a silent retreat, you say? Yeah. The whole yeah, week I, of I have, silence. He's. Spoke. I have a friend. Um, actually, I, I'm writing a, my first book myself right now, and my co I'm co-authoring it with a friend, and he just so happens to be at his first silent retreat. So I've been. I think he's maybe three days into. I think it's ten days total. So I'm really excited to kind of hear feedback from him. I've never I've never done one, but uh, uh, from what I hear, it, it's just a profound experience across the board. And I can only imagine with someone like him, you know, kind of just being in, in the presence of someone, you know, that clear and that, um, you know, tapped in, so to speak. You know, listen to him, walking with him. him it, it is, I can't wait for you to hear from your friend. Because I, I, I really highly recommend it to everyone at some point in their lives to just try it because it is unbelievable what you learn about yourself. Wow. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a life-changing experience to be with Thich Nhat Hanh, but it's a yeah. double life-changing experience to be in silence. 
Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I think it's something, and I know as a person who has a lot to say and whose mind's always going, you know, uh, a thousand miles a minute, we're always transmitting as humans. We're constantly transmitting information, transmitting, transmitting. And of course, meditation is a great way to try and, you know, receive and quiet the mind. And so doing that for such an extended period of time, I can only imagine that it's, uh, you know, has a, a profound and lasting effect. So as far as a peaceful mind, peaceful life itself, um, it looks like you've had a lot of success with that. Um, to, w- w- can you tell the audience a little bit about the organization? It's a, it's oh, a nonprofit, would, correct? Yes, correct. I would love to. Um, when I got out of treatment in the, in the mid-80s, there is something that was unleashed in me about giving you know, all of us, there's so many people in the world that do such great work in this idea of giving back. But there was something to me that uh, it, it started immediately. So philanthropy, and I've started several nonprofits throughout my lifetime. And so doing that, it always has to be in the equation for me when I'm doing my work. It's like, how now can I do this so that I can make things and teachings and all the work that I'm trying to do accessible to everyone. I don't want it to be where you've got to pay $500 to come hear this person speak. So I'm, I thought when, whatever I do in any work that I do in universities right now with Florida Atlantic university, I've been doing for a decade or so. I want it to be accessible to all. So peaceful mind, peaceful life is that nonprofit. It is that movement really, as you say, it's really taken off. I thought, what can, what can I do to inspire? So we do inspirational quotes and blogs and things like that, but mm-hmm. also what can I do to, help introduce people to all the great teachers uh, of the of our of our generation and of the past so it's really um really an offering and it's such a great blessing that we have social media today because you you can you really they can reach the masses. We're, we're almost to 2.5 million. And what I love right. the most is I interact with people all over the world. Uh, so it's, I can't even think of a, of a better way to spread a message and really try right. to help, help people find inner peace, which I believe ultimately will lead to our outer peace. Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely. Now, how long ago did you actually launch Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life? Uh, September of 2011. Wow. So, so that's really not a very long, uh, very long ago. And to have, have, you know, got the traction that you've, you know, what you said, two and a half million Facebook followers. I mean, that's, that's certainly uh, something to be very proud of. You're, you're definitely resonating with a, a broad audience. So um, I would say you have achieved your goal and, you know, it should be very exciting to see where it goes from, from here. Now on the site itself, do you have a way for people to join to to participate? Is it is it mainly you're you're putting out information and blogs and and so forth, or is there is there an interactive component to it? It's mainly it's mainly putting out information and blogs. We we have had a, a Q and A. We've had a couple of Q and A's live. Okay, cool. Q and A's and and we're in the process of doing a lot more. I think people you know people do Facebook message me um, quite a bit. So we do. Mm-hmm. I do have a lot of that. But but I think uh, in my as I've watched this grow, and I think people are hung uh, for interaction, for a way to find sense out of this external world that, that is pretty chaotic and crazy. So we're in the process of, of putting together a program and putting together this things that will, will be interactive. Oh, cool. Well, yeah. I, I definitely look forward to that. Um, now, the practice is, you, you put the practice out in 2014, is that correct? Uh, May of 2014. That's correct. Okay. So that's pretty, pretty fresh. Um, tell me about your experience writing the practice and, you know, what inspired you and, 
you know, whatever you can, whatever you can, you're willing to share about that experience. You know, it's, if you would have said to me, Brandon, wow, and 58 years old, I would have this massive nonprofit and have written a book. I'd say, oh, no way. You know, right. you read the preface of the book. I started off with pretty difficult childhood and, and young adulthood suffered from bulimia, but, but made it. I, I really succeeded in the business world, owning McDonald's restaurants and having everything externally, but still being incredibly unhappy. So in going into treatment for my bulimia really changed my life. And I think what I love about life really love about life is we have these milestones. We, we, we have awakenings all along the way. We don't just have one, but we have one that really starts us. And that's what happened for me. So it, it put me in this whole path and this whole search for obviously staying in recovery from my bulimia, knowing that, that I, it ultimately would kill me, but really trying to get connected to that 11th step of AA sought through prayer and meditation to deepen my conscious contact with God as I understand him or her was really my, just my foremost uh, mission, passion. How do I do that? So in studying with all these great teachers, I started my own, uh, I believe strongly Swami Vivekananda said, you know, go inside yourself and ultimately find your own teacher. I'm paraphrasing him, of course. But, I definitely you know, so that agree idea with that. Of, yeah, not depending on the external world, being inspired by... I say by, it all the time. Yeah, isn't it the truth? So I still was leaning on the outside world a lot for my uh, instruction and tell me what to do and how to get there. So little by little, I believe every being, you tap into your own source within by sitting with yourself every day and you develop your own practice. So that's what the book is about as all my studies and my teachings, uh, workshops and lectures that I was doing prior to the book. It, it's a culmination of all of that I have learned for the past 30 years. It, it certainly had a, a profound impact on me. Um, the thing that I there's a lot that I love about it, you know, with meditation, for example, that's one of the big staples, of course. And, you know, you talk a lot about having a structured meditation practice and, you know, starting in the morning, starting your day that way. And that's something um, that I've struggled with is, you know, I've always done it sporadically. So I've really been trying to, you know, as I'm reading the book, uh, incorporating, you know, starting setting my alarm clock 15 minutes earlier and, and starting my day on that foot. And I have found, and I can't say I haven't hit snooze a few times, but <laughs> uh, what, <laughs> I, human. what I found, the days that I've done it so far, uh, it's really, you know, you, you just have, as I think you put it in the book, you know, that, that edge that I think people like you or I can tend to have, we're, we're very, lots of energy, you know, go, 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 go. And, uh, it, it really is, uh, you know, I, I can see a difference and feel a difference in myself because I'm starting my day off, you know, kind of rounding out that edge and, um, it, 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 tr it you know, trickles into every other area of your life throughout the day, I believe. So, yeah. Oh, so true. You know, this is the, uh, the age of technology. So lately, I've been saying um, we're, we're used to hearing that we're plugged into our phones and our computers and TV and all the external uh, gadgets that we have. So plug into yourself first before you get plugged into the world. And, and it does, as you just said so beautifully, it does. It, it, it changes you. You start to connect within you start to uh, develop this incredible capacity to let things be because you're thinking. We can't stop thinking, but we can sit in meditation or sit in silence and assume that stance by by focusing on putting our attention on the breath or a mantra or a prayer or a phrase and not engage thought. So you think about how you carry that in 
your day as I'm training every day, you know, just five minutes if you're just starting. Because let's face it, mm-hmm. if you've never meditated and you sit down, it's crazy. You, you're like, whoa, I have a big problem here. You start to realize the mind is going constantly. So it's really just little by little connecting with you first. And you start to get that sense that you just said a feeling of um, incredible, um, I like to call it, uh, when, I, when I meditate and I've been meditating for 30 years, I like to call it the sense of all is well. So no matter what's happening in this chaotic external world, I don't have to be caught up in it. I certainly can't control it. And that great sense within me of knowing that I can handle anything no matter what is thrown my way makes me feel this sense of peace, you know, strength, courage, uh, compassion. And, and ultimately we feel that sense of great love. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, a a friend who recently told me about an app that he started using and I wish I would have gotten the name of it, uh, before this, uh, conversation. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look that up and and put it out to the audience another time. But um, essentially it allows you kind of like a Fitbit. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that or not, where, you know, you can, sh- you can share your, your steps in a given day, you know, your exercise sort of thing. Well, there's a, a meditation app that he's been using and uh, he actually, I think he sent me an invite to it and I, you know, being too busy, uh, haven't uh, downloaded it yet and started using it, but he said it made a real difference for him. Um mm-hmm to, uh, you know, join up with some friends and start, as you put it, five minutes a day and then maybe 10 minutes a day. And, and, and he, you know, what he said really worked for him was if you try and start to, you know, 30 minutes a day, you're going to, you're going to end up slipping pretty quickly. Yeah. Just start small, just the same way you put it, five minutes a day, uh, something like that. And, you know, one of my favorite teachers, uh, Osho, and this is to paraphrase, mm-hmm. uh, you've probably seen, seen or heard this quote before. He says something to the effect of if you're, you know, uh, you should meditate, you know, 10 minutes a day or something like that. If you're too busy, then you should meditate 30 <laughs> minutes a day. Uh, I think that says a lot. And I love so, our show, yes. Uh, he's, he's, he's got quite the sense of humor. So, yeah. um, now, a, you know, a big I, just theme, wanna, I just want to interject something because oh, what yeah, you just yeah, sure. said, I just want to say one thing. It's it's about the practice. It's about practicing, not doing it once in a while because it's in the practice that you gain the results, the transformation. Mm-hmm. You start to see, wow, this works. So I was on retreat with the Dalai Lama and he passed out this Buddhist magazine. And you know, you know how you know when you're being given something that you're meant to be given. I opened it up and I opened it up Absolutely. to a page that said, better to meditate five minutes every day than 20 minutes once or than two hours once a week. Right. Five exactly. minutes every day will lead to, you know, a practice and will lead, lead to this uh, deep connectedness and knowing that we're all looking for. So yeah, you're, you're so right. Start small, start manageable, start with something that you can sustain every single day. It's not so intimidating, yeah. you know, as, and, and, and I think you hit on a very good point when you say it's a practice. I think of, uh, going to yoga, uh, I, I attend yoga maybe three times a week at this point with my girlfriend, and she's really, really good, and I'm still somewhat amateurish comparatively. And uh, the instructor, and I'll make jokes about it, you know, oh, she always gets the, the pose right, and I'm over here struggling, you know. And uh, really great instructor, she said, just remember, Brandon, it's yoga practice, not yoga perfect. And I yeah. think that really works well for meditation as well. You, you know, just committing to the process is, you know, you're 90% there. 
And uh, so I think people sometimes get intimidated. I don't know exactly what I should be doing or am I, I'm, I'm doing it wrong. You know, everyone's had that feeling of, oh, I'm, I can't meditate. I'm doing it wrong. It's like, no, just by attempting, you have started yourself down a path that is going to lead to changes, very powerful changes in your life, I believe. Yeah, well said. Now, a big theme in your book is that I absolutely loved, by the way, is uh, using a sacred mantra. Um, now, I'm familiar with the idea of mantras and affirmations, but it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where in my own, you know, uh, spiritual growth process over the last, you know, 18 years or so, I, I'd say I'd been, I've been on this path that I'm on. And, you know, it's something that I know of to some degree, but never really given much, you know, thought or attention to. Well, your book helped me to do that. And what was really, really cool for me uh, is I started realizing that I've been using the technique without, it, instead of using a sacred mantra, I've been using a song from my childhood camp. When I was seven, eight, nine years old, I went, you know, to um, church camp, actually. And we sung these silly, you know, campfire songs. And one of them was, you know, I love molasses, good old country sorghum. <laughs> and I won't go on for the rest of the song and, and uh, destroy your ears. But it's just a silly song. And I don't know why it's, especially in the last year or two, it's really just like, it's just in my head. So what I found I was doing and, and really kind of subconsciously is when I would have an anxious thought or a stressful thought, um, I would start singing that song. And so it was really a big light bulb went on for me regarding all this when I was reading your book. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this. But instead of invoking this, you know, uh, sacred mantra, which I'll let you explain a little bit here in a moment, I'm invoking this like lighthearted kind of silly thing for my childhood. And um, so uh, it's really, and I've been, you know, using uh, a sacred mantra for the last week and I've absolutely loved it. So it's such an amazing takeaway uh, from your book. It's not always that, you know, I've read lots of books and, and, and lots of books that I love, but there's not always something so tangible to take away. And, and so I want to thank you personally for, you know, putting that information into my world in such a direct way where I, I know it's something that I'll use the rest of my life now. Um, but Aside from that, can you explain a little bit to the audience, you know, what a sacred mantra is and, and how you would use it? First of all, Brandon, you just brought the biggest smile to my face and warm my oh, heart. Good. Because I oh. believe so strongly that the sacred mantra is the hidden jewel. It's yeah. really the, uh, the, 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 it's Gandhi funny because that's call. the mantra yeah. that, sorry to interrupt, but that's the mantra that I chose because of its Om Mane Padme Hum. <gasps> yes. Or oh, Om, Om Mane it. Padme yeah. Hum. Yeah. Because of the interpretation, <laughs> you know, behold yeah, the, the jewel and the, the lotus of the heart. <laughs> yeah. The jewel and the lotus within. Yeah. The heart, so yeah. it's like when, it, yeah. And when you're feeling anxious or stressed, it's like, yeah. oh, Instead, look within yourself and you are this divine being. And it, what a beautiful thing. So that's the one that I've chosen for myself. But sorry to interrupt. I just, when you, no. when you said, Jewel, I had to throw that out there. Yeah, no, Brandon, you're so, it's so true. I, I want everybody to, to really uh, resonate with this because it, it, ha, it is the, uh, it is the thing that you, you use it in meditation and you use it throughout the entire day. It is the thought interceptor. It does, it does connect you, you know, the same 
mantra that the teachings that I learned from quite a few teachers, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a practice that Mahatma Gandhi used. It's a practice that many, many mm-hmm. of the great saints and, and mystics and teachers use. We, it, it just is not that common. It just wasn't really talked about so much. But if you really do a lot of research and you really do a lot of reading, we've westernized that word mantra so much. And so what you were doing with your song, it's a phenomenal affirmation because that also is a thought interceptor, brought you into a gay, happy, joyful right. place. So right. it's the same thing. But what happens with a mantra when you take a phrase or these words that are that are holy, that are hallowed from the great teachers or traditions, you connect with that ancestry. You connect with the generations of the millions and millions of people that are using that very same thing to bring them back to the present moment, really. The mantra connection and brings you back to the moment. So if I'm afraid or I'm worried and I can't do anything about it, I can ask myself, can I do something about the fear? Can I do something about the worry? And 90% of the time, the answer is no. I can repeat my sacred brings me right back to the moment into the present where I can, I can rest, where I can say, okay, I can't do anything about it, but I can just be here right now. And I believe the mantra, we all know the power of prayer, the power of right. a collected consciousness of people coming together. And that's Absolutely. what the mantra is, I believe. I use Rosa Parks in the book. It moved me to tears when I listened to her interview when they asked her, you know, what gave you the courage to get on that bus that day? back during the civil rights movement. And she said, I felt I had the strength of my ancestors behind me. And that's, I get chills even thinking about it today. That's what I feel with sacred mantras. When I repeat it, it's all of those amazing, beautiful people that are using that very same phrase or, or, or word uh, connecting within. So I, I, um, Mahatma Gandhi is known to have when he was assassinated. It is when you read his biography, it is known that the words on his lips were Rama, Rama, Rama. His, his you know, sacred the, the, mantra, right? His, yeah. And I use the word, I put the word sacred in front instead of just calling it a mantra because it's so, in my opinion, mantra. I think it's so, appropriate. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's holy, it's sacred. It's all these people using it. And so it's, uh, I am so thrilled that that is something that you took away from the book because I find it the, one of the more um, transformational things that I have ever done in my life. Yeah, I, I like I said, it just is one of those things where you said it earlier. When you get something and you know that you're meant to get that information, it's like, oh wow, this is for me. This is you know, this works so well with with who I am and where I'm at. And you know, it's almost been a point of frustration because I'm this person who's such a you know. Uh, as as a relative of mine always says, the eternal optimist and, you know, so much positive mm-hmm. energy all the time. But then all of a sudden, you know, there'll be these sprinklings of doubt or negativity or, you know, uh, and I think everyone has those sorts of things. And, and yeah. for me, uh, you know, it's like, no, that's not what I want to be or where I'm at. And how do I, how do I prevent this or, or work with this in a, a loving way? Because when you resist something, of course, you create more of it. So uh, it, it turn it, you know, it turns into a little bit of a, um, troubling thing to figure out how to work with. And like I said, I just used this and I really wasn't that consciously aware. That's what I, I started to become in recent, even months that consciously aware, I guess, to some degree that I was like, Hmm, I notice I'm doing this song as an answer every time. And before that for, mm-hmm. you know, months and months and months, I wasn't even really aware that I was doing it. And so now having something, and I couldn't agree more when you use something that is, uh, you know, uh, sacred in the in the sense that spiritual seekers for you know 
uh, centuries have used, and it's been used by countless people who've already gone down the road that you're going down, you invoke, you know, their their energy and their wisdom. We're all connected. And, you know, it's – so I, I think it just – it brings an element – you know, it's like they're all with you in a sense, uh, yeah. is what I, I kind of feel yeah. when I'm when I'm using it. Uh, and like I said, it's only been a few days for me, but uh, I can see this is something that I will use for the rest of my life. So I'm I'm yeah. very grateful, and I encourage everyone out there listening to you know this podcast. Check out the practice. Check, and you even have some of the information on your website uh, in regards to the mantras as well. I believe um, it's something yeah. that you you definitely want to explore yeah. uh, using. So um, now it, they do become your friend. You're right. You're 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 evoking, you know, the Omani Padme Hum, the beautiful mantra of Buddhism. But many other people use it besides. Buddhist. I mean, sure. it's, it's, uh, my daughter, that's my daughter uses that mantra and she, she feels this connectedness with such peace and such beauty. It, it's such, I, I can't even, I can't say it enough of how much mm-hmm. you really start to walk. And what I wanted to say was that you will now find that this will be coming to, into your head. You know, you won't even, after a time, you don't, you, you'll, you'll find that it's, it's coming in my to head you a lot. Even repeating it's, it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah. I find myself just like singing it as I'm walking around the house doing whatever. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's definitely, it's, it's almost like something that you use, um, you know, as, as your background music. Uh, you know, to some degree. Uh, and like I said, I'm very new with using it. I know you've been practicing yours for a couple, 20 years or so. Is, is yes. that right? Yes. Yeah, a couple and of you decades. also. But the beauty of the mantra, though, is the sacred mantra is it, it you can feel it right away. Yeah, I, for sure. I, I can vouch for that. Um, you also talk in your book about writing it out and you did some beautiful art that almost looked like sacred geometry with <clears throat> your your own mantra which is uh a different different now keep in mind people as you're listening um what barb recommends is finding one that really works for you there you know and i think in the book and on the website you have several different ones from different traditions and in you know all around the world and that's kind of what i did i went through i really liked the native american one as well um and you know you just find the one and, and i think what barb recommends in the book is you maybe try one out for a few days if, if you want to you know then try a different one but you'll know when something really resonates with you and um but uh you also practice uh writing it out as well correct correct uh it, it's one of the greatest joys of my life i love incorporating it into, um, art, you know, making this, making the mandalas with, with my mantra, uh, it's just a way to, it's, it, it really is a practice of, of sitting with it. It's a practice of being with your mantra. And it's, it's a, uh, when you write it out, I use, I, I write my mantra every single day and mostly, um, it's become a practice now over all these years of writing it for so trying to send out and my way of helping and sending out loving energy to crises. So, you know, I've been writing my mantra for the tragedy in Paris, or I'll write my mantra for the wow. tragedy in Nigeria recently, or the tragedy in the, you know, when we had the um, the earthquake in Haiti, I live in South Florida. You know, I spent right. an hour just writing my mantra as a way of, 
of really being one pointed, really focused on that energy of those powerful words and trying to send that loving energy out into the people of Haiti for that particular situation. They didn't know that they find the ability to to find their own strength and their own courage within to handle whatever it is they're handling. And, and I can't I, I can't tell you how until you experience it, it's it's a it's a real moving uh, experience to really, with a very focused attention, writing your mantra, knowing that this is for relief or for comfort or for love and compassion that you're sending to others. Um, I write in the book that I did it for my uh, for myself to start with for my daughter and myself when she went off to college because I was so so worried you know she's my only child and right. what's going to happen what's going to happen in that right. scary place no, called can... college and yep. it, it not only transformed me it made our relationship so great because it it helped it helped intercept those negative crazy thoughts right I was having about what could happen to her there and I believe it sent love and and uh, peace and and uh, compassion over to her as well so try it out I really I really recommend it I think that's a, a really key point that that you've made is using it as a way to um, send you know love and energy to you know crisis situations and so forth I think people don't always realize how much power they have to affect situations uh, remotely. I mean, you know, without going into all the studies, uh, I'm sure you know where, you know, you have the the crime rate in D.C. lowered by, you know, I forget how many percentage it was off the top of my head, Um, but a drastic, you know, reduction in crime with people meditating on peace in in that region. And I think the, uh, actually the Sheriff or yeah, police chief of D.C. said it would have to snow in July for that much, you know, crime reduction. I think it was like thirty percent or something like that. And sure enough, by the end of the experiment, that's what exactly what had happened. So um, I think that's a really beautiful thing that you're doing and a great way to incorporate it into uh, you know the mantra into you know expanded way to use it. Um, we all we, we all ask ourselves when something horrific or when. When something uh, heartbreaking happens, what can I do? I wish I could do something. So instead yeah. of worrying and ruminating about it and and feeling bad about it, by using this sacred mantra in this way, you're actually feeling the feelings of the hurt or the heartache that the that the people or the country is going through. But then you're also feeling right. like you're actually doing something. You really are making a difference and you really are giving them your whole heart and all of your love in trying to to find peace and trying to find some sense of, of connectedness. So it is a really big something that we can do. Yeah. It reminds me of, I have, you know, I go to a lot of, uh, you know, living in California, there's a lot of these transformational music and art festivals and, uh, I love attending them. It's a lot of, you know, workshops and great music and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of times people who are really just, uh, not only people that are, are very experienced in, in this kind of spiritual realm, I guess you would say, but uh, also a lot of people are just getting exposed through these festivals uh, for the first time. And so one of the fun, you know, uh, projects that I did and I take with me to festivals is uh, a staff and I, I put a amethyst crystal on top of it and it kind of looks like a, a sorcerer staff, you know, and people will come up to me and it, it glows and everything. And so people will come up to me in the evenings, uh, usually when I, I'll bring it out and, you know, turn it on and you have people who are just like, oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful, you know, thing I've ever seen. And so whenever someone approaches me, I always tell them, well, you know, crystals are amplifiers of energy. And 
you know, as uh, Nikola Tesla put it, and to paraphrase, you know, crystals are living entities, whether or not we understand the nature of their reality, they're living, you know, nonetheless. So this particular crystal and staff I designed with the intention of sending whatever's in your heart and mind to everyone, you know, in this crowd here. Um, And so people will always, their face will just light up when I kind of say that and hand it to them and then they'll take it. And sometimes they'll take it for 30 seconds and sometimes they'll want to take it for 30 minutes, you know, and they'll, you'll close their eyes usually and they're sending out, you know, uh, these heartfelt loving intentions to everyone that's in attendance, uh, you know, in the audience. It is so powerful and you can just see how much people enjoy that process. And then as I say now, you know, it's, I built it maybe a, a couple of years ago. So it's probably had 200 people, you know, do this process now. So it's, it is in enco- all that love and intention, you know, I believe is encoded in, in, in this, in this crystal. And it's kind of the same thing with these words, you know, all, you have all these beautiful souls that have used these same words over, you know, centuries to, um, you know, raise their own vibration and the vibration of of the people around them. And now you're invoking that and it truly is words are, you know, they're spelling, you're casting a spell, right? So uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's really, really cool, not only to use for yourself, but then to start then turning it to, to others. And, uh, beautifully said, Brandon, beautiful. So next question I have for you uh, is in regards to workshops. I know you've studied under some very notable spiritual teachers. Uh, We've already talked about a few, the Dalai Lama, um, you know, uh, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, uh, or a few others, correct? Yes, correct. Um, And Pema Chodron and uh, um, James Finley, the Thomas Merton Scholar, former monk james finley i mean that's uh-huh. he's so amazing yeah it it's it's a it's a uh it's a passion of mine i love if i can i love being with these great teachers and learning from them and being inspired being the teacher uh being the student as well as the teacher as we all yeah. are i think um yeah. who would you say is your favorite uh you know and i don't know maybe that's a loaded question that you know um but if you had to pick you know one particular um oh, wow Wow, that I've been asked that before, and it's so hard because yeah, I you know, know you know, you're on a spiritual path. There's always you're always at a, you're at a different place each in each you know segment of your life, each moment of your life. So, the teachers that have really inspired me, the ones that I talk about so much in the book, are the ones that I was meant to be with at that moment in my life. I mean, Absolutely. I haven't. I still read Thich Nhat Hanh, and I spend a lot of time in his writings and his uh, work, but I haven't been on retreat with him. Since, since those two retreats that I did back in, um, let's see, it was about 1994 and 95. So okay. I, it's hard to say. I can't, I can't, can't pick just one because they've all deeply affected me and have had a profound impact on my life, uh, each one. I mean, of course, uh, to be in the presence of the Dalai Lama for a week is, you know, I, I have so many friends that have heard him speak and they'll say to me, Barb, we can't understand what he's saying. And I said, you don't need to. Just be in his yeah. presence is enough. <laughs> Uh, you know, to be in the presence of Thich Nhat Hanh or, or to be in the presence of any of these great teachers. I mean, I, 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 when I studied all of these, uh, these great writings and religions and, and spiritual teachers, um, you know, I, I really spent a lot of time with Thomas Merton. So when I ran across James Finley, 
it was so amazing to be with him and listen to him talk about Thomas Merton being his, you know, his mentor, his teacher and his uh, spiritual director. So right. I, I can't really pick one. I, I, you know, I kind of assumed that might be all. the answer. And, uh, you know, I just, I was just really my own curiosity yeah. to just see if there was anyone you know, that maybe one thing. Up. What I love about the fact that I can't pick one and that I've never just settled on one is a mm-hmm. testament to Swami Vivekananda's idea and his true belief that we must find the teacher within. We must become our Absolutely. own teacher, as you said, as long as, as well as be continuing to always be a student. So the fact that I haven't settled in just one really says that we are meant to find our own way with all these great teachings, but ultimately finding the practice that works for us and finding something that we can sustain every day and really becoming our own teacher, really transforming ourselves from the inside out. So I think maybe that is also why I can't just pick one because there hasn't been just one that has, has uh, only impacted me. That's, that's a very wise answer. And I, I couldn't agree more. It's like, I've drawn on so many different people, uh, for information and, and but at the end of the day, and I always say it to other people uh, when I you know get on this conversation, which is my favorite conversation, um, yes. you know. But don't listen to me. Just be open enough to explore for yourself and go within. Because at the end of the day, you know that's really any of us came here with was our own hearts and minds. So it would make sense that yeah, maybe a book can point to some truths, and maybe a person can point to some truths, and maybe there's some untruths mixed in at times too. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's going within, and that's why I think. Meditation is such a key, um, you know, factor in this in this whole process because that's exactly what you're doing. You're going within, and and when you set that intention to, you know, I want I want to understand more about, you know, the ultimate nature of reality and my role in it. Uh, that's that's what you'll get. And, um, you know, and at the same time, you're not giving your power away to some other person. You know, this person's a guru, and they're somehow superior. You know, anyone who's truly an enlightened master i think they've all said the same thing you you know you'll do great you know jesus you'll do greater things than i and you know things and buddha said a similar statement it's you know it's within all of us that christ consciousness or buddha consciousness and we're all just just striving to find because if you get if you get wrapped up in the teacher you are Mm -hmm. still being attached to and depending on the external Yep, And I think all those great teachers, Jesus, the Buddha, all of them, Krishna, all of them were all about, you know, go inside and connect within, go inside and, and really, you know, listen to the voice and the, the, the strength and the source. So it encourage it, 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 it you're right. It doesn't, uh, it empowers you. Uh, it, it makes you feel more powerful and ultimately makes you feel complete. And you start to really recognize how loving and amazing you really are. Yeah. And that's really been my only issue with organized religions, uh, you know, uh, when, when I get on this uh, topic, and, and I have no major issue. I, I think from the ultimate perspective, it's all perfect. You know, it's all serving as a, as a tool and, and a platform. But there, it tends to, you know, people, uh, you know, put this barrier between themselves and, and source or, or God or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it, there is no barrier. It's a direct connection. It's like so close people are missing it, you know, and they're, so they're scrambling, looking external of themselves for, for this thing that, that lies within. And um, so. The first book that I read when I got out of treatment was The Road Less Traveled by Scott Peck. And okay. one of the things he said that touched me, and I ended up going on retreat with him, was God has no grandchildren. And that has always stayed with me for mm. 30 
30 years because we have to have our own connection with God, source, love. We can't right. have a connection through someone else. We have to have our own connection. So we are the child. We are the, we are the source. We are getting connected to the source. We can't go through someone else to get that connection. That's a great, they can inspire us, but they great, really can't be our conduit. We have yeah. to find that ourselves. Yeah, that's a, that's a really profound statement. I like that. So moving on a little bit, we've talked a little bit about your Facebook page. I noticed you, uh, you recently posted a link saying that you were excited to announce the launch of Zen Sports. That was uh, caught my attention. That's a very interesting <laughs> concept. Putting those two things together, um, what 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 can you tell me about that? Well, I I am, you know, I was the oldest of five children. And I think my dad thought I was going to be a boy, so right. I ended up being the girl, the daughter that was uh, really into sports. He would teach me. He was a uh, football player for Purdue University. He was a right guard, and okay. uh, so I really got into football, basketball. Um, you know, and just I just love the idea of sports. I love the idea of team teamwork. But as I've grown Absolutely. now into an adult, and as I've grown into my into my into my life, and watching what's been happening with the NFL and watching what's been happening around, it's um, it, it just it came to me, you know, watching the Seattle Seahawks last year, you know, with their whole they he Russell Wilson was showcased in a yoga journal magazine they do yoga they do meditation and i thought you know we can have they can they can learn how to have their peak performance on the field and they can learn how to really be the best human being off the field as well and i, right, I truly right. believe that the the problem with the things that we're hearing with sports today with these athletes is that they they haven't been taught they don't know they don't they don't they don't have the tools they don't have the the ability right. to to stop you know to intercept that anger and take a pause and say wait a minute i don't want to hurt this person or i don't want to say this awful thing or i you know the the money that i'm making is is not really the end of what it is i'm supposed to be doing with my life so it just has inspired me in the past year or so to how can i take this to schools to um to athletes. So, um, a lot of times athletes are so laser focused on becoming a master of their craft. It's like, you know, there's no, they're taught, there's no room for anything else. Forget your social life, forget, you know, having a relationship, forget, you know, it's like pounded in these kids' heads and then they come up, you know, sure, oftentimes, you know, with, with uh, enough dedication and, and all those things, they become masters of their craft. But what, what are they missing? And I think that's, that's a really interesting yeah. concept. And you know, you, you know the other thing too. There, what what better uh, what better uh, people? I mean, athletes. You just said it so greatly. Ba- athletes are disciplined. Athletes are focused. Yeah. Athletes right. have structure. A- I mean, so if they took They've on already a got meditation, the, the raw tools. Yeah, yeah, they've got it. Yeah. So if they took on a meditation practice, oh my gosh, they could have the same greatness in their personal lives that they've had on the field or in their, in their athletics. So yeah, it, they're, they're right for it. They're just, they're the perfect candidate for really making their, their personal lives just as magnificent and just as, um, you know, trophy worthy or Super Bowl worthy or any of those right. NCAA right. championship worthy, you know, and it'll probably their, help them craft. to achieve those things. Uh, really? So yeah, yeah it, you live in, you're in California, Right. Right. So read up on Joe Montana. See, I date myself because I'm 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 way back. You know, you, you right. Joe Montana when he won. Yeah, won he's the Super one of the Bowl. greats. 
Yeah. And you, you read one of his interviews and he said, uh, I was in the moment. You know, yeah. he came back and, and won there in the last uh, 30 seconds or whatever it was. They asked him, how'd you mm-hmm. do it? And he said, I, I, the fans were cheering and I blocked all that out and I was in the moment knowing exactly what I needed to do. Right. So, yeah, it, it helps. It would help even better their performance on the field. But even more importantly, it would make their personal lives uh, just so much richer and greater and, and, and happier. Absolutely. Very interesting. I, I love that concept. Yeah. Now, so stay you, tuned. There's going to be a lot. Yes, on <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, yeah. Now, y- you also conduct workshops yourself, yes. correct? How often do you do that? And, you know, what is what is it like if I were to attend a Barb Schmidt workshop? What would I experience? It's three hours and I'm actually doing a couple next week. Uh, and then in the process of, of trying to plan them across the country through this nonprofit, Peace of Mind, Peace oh, of Life. Great. But it's three hours. It's, you know, I'll take a subject next next week. It's, you know, how with all of the uh, chaos and, and the negativity and the just the anguish that's happening in the world today, how can we find our balance? How can we how can we find the patience and the the will and the courage to mm-hmm. really know that that we are. Uh, incredible human beings and, and we can't control the external world, but we can keep putting one foot in front of the other. So it's about three hours of that and I'll take the practice and it's very interactive. We'll do some mantra uh, exercises. We'll do some focused attention cool. exercises. We'll meditate a couple of times during the three hours and really talk a lot about the practice. How do you practice a meditation and really get very, very personal about it, but also very hands-on. Uh, and then the end, then the last part of the practice of this whole letting go, what, what does that look like? And why do we really want to not be attached? I talk a lot. You know, we don't live in a cave. We're not nuns and we're not monks. We are living in the world. So how do we live with abundance without attachment? So I go into a Absolutely. lot of strategies and, and tools and real hands-on uh, activities that we can do to practice, uh, that we can be our greatest self right, in, right where we are in the lives wow. that we're living. Wow, that's it's fun. I love it. I, I love, you know, how hands-on it is. It's it's something that, you know, and it's much like the book. It's like, here's some very tangible things that you can take away. You're going to leave here today and you're going to have tools that yeah. help you, you know, on your way. And I think that's really important sometimes. You know, a lot of, a lot of information out there, it's, it's like, okay, that's great. And I'm really feeling it and resonating as I read it or hear about it. But then, you know, is there something that I can really grab onto? And uh, yeah. so... And it's twenty five dollars. It's not. Wow. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> it's really that's about really you know, really reasonable. Yeah. That's <laughs> that says a lot about your intention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's beautiful. Um, all right, now you said you're going to be touring with your workshop. Are you going to make it this far by chance? I love California. I mean, obviously, California to me is like the mothership of all the spiritual practices, in a, in a way. Uh, so yes, in the process, when I when I did a uh, a talk at East West Books in uh, in Menlo Park, it, there was there's mm-hmm. just there's a magical sense when you get to California. And I, I went to the redwoods and just really spent some time up there. And uh, oh, so yes, there. California will absolutely be on the list. Oh well, I will certainly be. Uh, in attendance when you're uh, in this neck of the woods. And if I'm out that way, I, I will keep a close eye. All the workshop dates and so forth are uh, on the website, I'm assuming. It will be on the website. And those are not up yet, but they will be. Okay. Wow, very exciting. <clears throat> now, you're also the founder of the Spirit of Giving Network. Is that right? And it's a, it brings together nonprofits in, yes. in Florida primarily. Is that Am I saying that correct? 
Yes, that is correct. I, uh, my husband and I, when my daughter was really little, we used to do a Christmas party every year and we'd invite all of our friends and it got to be quite large. And you know how people will always bring you a gift. You know, they're coming to your house, so they want to bring right. you something. So the right. parties were getting, you know, two, three hundred people and I would, everyone would leave wow. and I would have all of these, these things that people had brought me that I don't, you know, most of us don't really need anything. We, we pretty much are very fortunate. So I thought, you know, what can I do? So I started asking people to bring something for the, the nonprofits in our community. And there are quite a few. And I ended up with 2000 that first year. I had 2000 had bicycles and basketball. Wow. And little cars and amazing. So I called some of my friends that ran the nonprofits and I said, what am I going to do with all of these? So that's, I thought, you know, maybe if we had a, um, an organization that, that brought all the nonprofits together, that they could share resources. So it has, it's been, um, that was back in, it's been about, it's about 12 years old now. And it's unbelievable. Wow. Over uh, 70 nonprofits come together once a month to talk about how can we share resources. I've got a wow. bus and you need a, you need a bus to take your kids to swimming. So it, it has been so amazing that we've had our first uh, college football game here at the stadium uh-huh. in, our, in our university called the Boca Bowl. And all of the, all of the proceeds uh, after um, all the profits, after all the expenses for that bookable went to the Spirit of Giving Network to help all of these nonprofits. You know, we, wow. they need help. They, uh, the government uh, can't supply all of the needs that they, that they are in need of, all the funding right. they're in need of. So this is a beautiful way to share and to collaborate. There's so much uh, beauty in collaborating because we, we can't do it alone. Uh, we need each other. So it's been a great um, honor for me to see this flourishing so well. That's that's really something to be proud of. That's uh, yeah. incredible. Do you see it as something that would possibly s- spread beyond uh, your, you know, the Florida borders? Yeah, that I really the person that's running it. I've asked her. I said, you know, what have you ever thought about doing some kind of a workbook or some kind of a uh, a a guide? book that you could spread this and pass this along. So they are, they're exploring that idea because, you know, we have to collaborate. We have to, we can't, we are not an island. You know, we, we must work with each other and, uh, because there really isn't enough, uh, money. There, there are not enough resources to go around for everyone to have all of their needs met. But when we work together, we can get all of our needs met. So I think it's something that they're truly looking at to see if they can use this as a model across the country. It really would be amazing. Yeah, it's much like like you mentioned, you know, the whole team, it's the same thing as with sports. You know, the sum is greater than the equal parts. And I think that's a, just a brilliant idea. And I look forward to seeing that yeah. continue to grow. That's, that's awesome. So you've obviously been at this a while. You've been on your spiritual path, uh, if I recall from the book, since the early 80s. Have you noticed, I ask this question often, um, because myself, it's been about an 18-year path for my for me. And, you know, I always reference when I first started down this road, I was reading lots of books and I was just so excited and amped about this, you know, this subject. And I would talk to people, you know, about spirituality and, and things like this. And I would get, mm-hmm, okay, that's interesting. Or, you know, you're crazy. <laughs> One of two responses. And just in the last few years myself, I've started just meeting so many people, um, you know, who 
will talk more about it than I will. And I would have never imagined that before. It was like, you know, it was always just reading. I think what you did is pretty interesting. You went out and actually, you know, you, you, you read a book and then would go and meet the person and, and participate in the retreats and so forth. So you probably had more exposure than I did. But for the longest time, uh, as you referenced, you know, a few minutes ago, I truly did feel like an island. And now it's I just so many connections with people who are on a similar path. Have you noticed, you know, a, a shift in, in your world uh, in, from your perspective in planetary consciousness in recent years? Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, a really resounding yes. And it's so wonderful. You know, I, th- I think what's happened is the external world seemingly because of this social media, because of us instantly getting news and information, the external world I feel is becoming uh, scarier and people are feeling the negativity more. They're feeling a need to combat that. What, what do I do about this? And the only thing you can do is to start really uh, connecting with yourself from within where all of that power and all of that uh, source of, um, of uh, calm and peace and knowing is because the external world is changing all the time. So I think people are, are really heightened about that. They're really uh, sensitive to that now and they're searching and they're desperately saying, you know what, maybe there's something to this meditation that I've been hearing about, but not really right. uh, wanting to really right. know about. So I really think people are hungry and I, I think it's such a beautiful thing. You know, they say that, you know, things come back around and, and what, you know, the, the, the Hindus believe that every time the world needs uh, a teacher, uh, when it's when we're really desperate enough and we really need a teacher, one shows. Mm-hmm. Up. So you've got you know all the great Jesus, the Buddha, Mahatma Gandhi, all those great teachers that were were of our past. Well, I think our times are now that we need all of us to wake up. I don't know if there's going to be Absolutely. one great teacher. I think we're all great teachers needing to wake up ourselves, and that little by little, that that Gandhi quote, "Be the change." Little by little, we will all be waking up the planet and waking up each other by waking up ourselves first. So I think that's what's happening. And I think that's why you're noticing, you know, that people are, are talking more to you. You used to be the one yeah. or, you know, for a while, yeah. especially in the eighties, I, I didn't, I rarely talked about it. And I really thought to myself, I'm going to quietly change the world. I'm going to quietly right. go about doing what I need to do to save myself and right. help myself. Uh, and now realizing that that's, what's going to help uh, the world. So yeah, I, I love it. I, we're, we're in now. We're in fashion yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. I mean, <laughs> even with, you know, this, you know, re, you know, really young people, you know, once again, you know, I can reference the kind of transformational um, festival scene. You know, it's like the cool thing. And it's yeah. it's so funny because, uh, you know, it's 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 not it's really great. It's just, you know, last couple of years, it's just been such a whirlwind for me. And, and I'm just, you know shocked uh i guess i'm not as surprised as i was at first but at first it was like oh man i you know so many people all of a sudden are in my world that uh you know get it and don't think i'm just some lunatic so it uh it's nice (laughs) (laughs) you know brandon when i was writing the book i was writing the book my husband i we've been married for 23 years and my husband said uh uh, I just want to ask you a question when you're writing this. Are you, because I, you know, I've studied with some deep, deep teachers. He said, right. are you going to try to get Buddhists and people that are already meditating to meditate more? Or are you going to write this book so that I will start meditating? After <laughs> I pick myself up off the floor, 
I thought, oh my gosh. And I said, I said, Dick, would you really consider meditating? He said, of course I would. So that says it all, exactly what we're saying that, you know, the consciousness of people are starting to wake up and and there has to be a, there has to be a a better, more meaningful, uh, more uh, courageous way to live. We can't live in this fear and this negativity and survive. We can survive possibly, but we certainly can't thrive. Well, I had a friend tell me recently, and uh, it was I, I thought it was really profound, and you've probably heard a similar statement before. In any given moment, you have a choice. Is it going to be fear or love? You know, and uh, I, th- that says it all. So, and I think the mantra really helps with that. If you're having a fear-based thought, you bring it back to this loving, you know, mantra that helps instantly adjust your, your vibration. So, now... Oh, okay. Said Brandon that exactly. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, once again, I, I'm just very grateful that it's something that you know was put in my put in my lap, and you know, I was able to really, you know, just right time, right time, right place for me to incorporate it into my life. So I thank you again. Um, now, as I love to talk about. Uh, Positive paranormal stories or synchronicities. Oh, speaking of a little synchronicity, with my uh, the mantra that I chose, I was uh, telling my girlfriend a little bit about it. Then we went to put on some music, uh, you know, some really relaxing um, meditative music one night, and a friend had told me about an artist. So I said, oh, let's check this particular artist out. She had like five albums. Her name is Wah, W-A-H. Um, I just happened to like pull up one of her albums and what do you know? One of the the first song that I see is uh, Om Mani Padme Hum. Oh, wow. uh, so <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a cool synchronicity. So I love stories of synchronicity. You know what I call positive paranormal stories because you see so much negative stuff. You know, programming on TV where it's you know some really scary, frightening uh, experience that people have had. I personally had quite a few really empowering, positive experiences, and so I always ask my you know guest if if they have any. Uh, any particular story that they may want to share and uh, any, of course, that helped guide you to where you are today uh, would be great too. You know, I, I feel, I feel like, uh, well, uh, the biggest one, probably the biggest thing that happened to me in starting Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life, as I said, it was, you know, being on retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh, but not too long after that retreat, and I'd been meditating for a while, I, I had a dream that night and I dreamt that I was brokering peace between the Dalai Lama and Chairman Mao. And it was so real. And I remember being in this dream saying, can I really do this? But I have to do it. Can I really do this? This is the Dalai Lama and Chairman Mao. And and there is no peace over there. There is no, can I I really do this? And and the voice kept saying, you have to do this. So it was that one more um, affirmation for me that, that peace and really helping people find inner peace that will lead to the outer peace is is what I what I was called to do. So I feel strongly that people when you sit with yourself, when you really when people can spend some time with yourself and you really get connected, you're going to know what you came here to do. The Buddha said, "Do what you came here to do. You came here to do right. something, you know, do it." Right. You know, don't leave the planet right. without doing it. So that dream was incredibly powerful, incredibly real, and it really um, you know, kind of set things in motion for me that yeah, I can do this. It, Not only can it, it I do the, it, I have to do it. It gave you the strength. Yeah. 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 I think the dream state is something that is, you know, often overlooked. Uh, you know, I think if people were 
more open to the idea that they can have a profound, you know, dream that affects their life or, you know, information is shared with them. Maybe, you know, sometimes you have people who have prophetic dreams or, you know, other times it's just like, hey, here's where you're supposed to be focused. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a sense you hear the story and it's one thing, but having felt what you, I can imagine having felt what you felt in, in the moment when you woke up, it's probably just like a, a long lasting, you know, uh, energy that's attached to it. So yeah, yeah. very Thanks. cool. So Good. where do you see yourself in five years? What, what are your future plans? You know, continuing to do the same thing, just one person yeah. at a time, one workshop at a time, one inspirational message or quote at a time. Uh, you know, and, and launching these initiatives uh, like Zen Sports, uh, I I have workbooks that I'm doing right now. I'm teaching mm-hmm. adult. Aut- I'm teaching the practice to autistic adults. I'm doing a program with one of my friends wow. here, and it's unbelievable. It is so wow. talk about those young adults being my teacher. You know, and I, I've got a practice uh, that I'm teaching in the local high schools, trying to help kids. Uh, you know, trying to disconnect one minute before they start. The- day. So I see more of that, more of the unfolding of really trying to see where this can, where this can benefit and how I can be of help and be of service to helping people wake up and and find that sense of connectedness within. Well, you're certainly a huge inspiration and, you know, you've got a lot of irons in the fire, uh, very, very busy woman. So uh, I think, uh, you know, your lifestyle is a testament to the energy and success that you have. I mean, you can just hear it, you know, in your voice. And so, you know, definitely an inspiration to me and I'm sure to all of the audience. So I thank you so much for for joining me today. Um, Last little question that I have for you, I like to throw out. In 60 seconds or less, and you can go over if you want, but I have six, roughly 60 seconds. What's the meaning of life to Barb Schmidt? Um. We are the meaning of life. You know, life has meaning when we wake up to who we are. Uh, I, I was so asleep for so many years. So we, who we are when we wake up to the magnificence, the love, the compassion, the strength, the courage, you know, the purity of who we are from the inside, that's, that's, that's everything in life, you know, the, the waking up. How can I become conscious? How can I become aware? And how can I really see, you know, that avatar, I see you, you know, Absolutely. I see me and I see you. So when you really have that deep connection of seeing and of knowing, that's the meaning of life. Yeah, I, you know, one of the quotes that I, uh, I read in your book, and let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. Uh, imagine that every person in the world is enlightened but you. They're all your teachers, each doing just the right things to help you learn perfect patience, perfect wisdom, and perfect compassion. Anthony DeMello. Um, that, that's uh, what a profound, you know, way to approach life. You're not, you know, yes, we're doing some level of teaching, but we're more students than anything, all of us, I believe. And, you know, if you can approach every person, even that ignorant person, you know, from one perspective that just cuts you off on the road or, you know, uh, you have a, a, another great story uh, about, uh, you know, uh, an altercation in a parking lot, you know, and the person had no idea why you were doing what you were doing and, and treating you, you know, uh, unkindly. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, just having that humility that you obviously uh, have and, you know, it's... It's, it's quite the journey that we're on. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, that, that quote Carl Jung, too, um, really changed my life, that idea that your vision will become clear when you look into your own heart, who looks outside yeah. dreams, who looks inside awakens. And, you know, the meaning of life is awakening to the fact that you are complete. You are whole. Right. You already right. have everything that you need inside of you. It's a matter of remembering it, right? Amazing life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's a, that's a really beautiful place to end, Brandon. Thank you. Yes, thank you so, so much, much, Barb. You, this has been such a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, catching up with you at one of your workshops and wa- watching it, all these things that you're doing grow and following your progress. And um, you know, maybe we'll do uh, another one of these down the road next year or something like that. And um, yeah, thank you so much for for joining me today. Thank you. I love meeting you and and the work you're doing is just amazing. So I look forward to our paths crossing again and connecting and and really doing our part to to wake ourselves up and wake up the world. So thank you, Brandon. It's been a joy today. Thank you so much, Barbara. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Okay. Thank all of you guys for tuning in to this podcast. Until next time, remember, as long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Have a good one, everyone. Be well.